0: This is Coming Out Stories. It's a podcast about one of the most important conversations of your life. I'm Emma Goswell. You're now going to hear from Chris McNaughton, also known as Chris Bearstrong McNaughton because he competes in strongman competitions. His first gay relationship took place in secret and he actually got blackmailed. He always says his biggest battle has been with depression. Please be aware that this episode does discuss mental health, self-harm and suicide.
1: Yeah, I remember it right back. First, second year, definitely having a lot of thoughts and a lot of confusion thoughts. Um, To what
0: sort of age were you then?
1: Well, that would have been uh, 12, 13, really young teenager. It was, it was just a lot unknown. There was nobody at that age who was gay. you never heard a lot about gay people. I suppose TV was your only sort of source of gay people. And
0: So where were you growing up?
1: In Lorne, just outside Belfast. I, I've gone back to my old secondary school now, doing a lot of talks and mental health and stuff like that. And going back now and seeing the amount of LGBT pupils that's there now, mm. it's shocking because like whenever I was there, there was nobody. There may have been, but there was no openly gay.
0: So when you were growing up, was it the 80s or 90s?
1: I I was in school, what, 15 years ago? So I'm 30 Mm. 30 now, so Mm. going back 15 years ago, say I would have been in school, I left school when I was 17, 18. I can't remember anybody who was openly gay at all. There were some people, I suppose, that... Maybe people had suspicions all them been gay, and there was nobody was actually open or, or owning it, owning it at all.
0: And how do people in your school sort of treat other gay people, or even talk about gay people that were out on the TV, or even?
1: Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't any good vibes there at all. Like you know, it was mm. all very negative, and I suppose that is the main reason why a lot of people wouldn't have came out in school, then is because it was just pure negativity surrounding it. Mm. Anybody who who was, you know, people were suspicious of, just got picked on for it, you know, sample as, like just the, the normal homophobic hatred that you would have.
0: So did you feel really that um, it wasn't an option for you? You weren't going to
1: come out? No, the the lifestyle in Northern Ireland at that age, no. Uh, you just, it wasn't an option at all whatsoever to even, to even explore it, question it or, 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 or look at it, you know. And as you got older as a teenager... Definitely the feelings got a lot stronger and the confusion got a lot more. Mm. Um, I was sort of lucky because I, I was attracted to girls, so I, I could go into relationships with girls. And I did, obviously, up until I was 28. Okay. Um, so
0: you, you do identify as bisexual then?
1: Not now. Not, not, now. <laughs> not, now. <laughs> <laughs> not now. It gets a, a bit sort of confusion, but back then, yeah, I, I knew that I was bisexual. I knew I liked guys, I knew I liked girls. Um, mm. Even through my 20s The time where I did come out It was just The reason I came out Was right Now I just want to go with guys and mm. I'm no interest In going with girls anymore And It was at the stage Where right It's going to hold me back now So I need to Face my fears And, and come out Because at that time When I was 27 I, I had gone into a relationship With a guy Who mm. was known As a best mate um, and anybody who knew us just knew us as being mates, and it was it was kept dead secret. And relationship lasted a year, year and a half like that there, and no one knew. No, some people were suspicious. Um, a best friend at the time knew, but that was it really, you know. And he had a couple of friends, very close friends that knew, but anybody who knew us, it was just we were just mates. We were just really close mates who got on really well.
0: And were you happy carrying on like that, or was part of you thinking? I wish I could be out about this. You know, I love this guy.
1: Yeah, like, I remember we went down south, down the, the very south of Ireland, and a, a weekend away, and we actually were like, Wait, let's sort of act like a couple to see what it's like, you know, publicly. Oh, really? Being my size, everybody stares at you anyway, you know, so. You didn't notice any you, difference? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice a difference, but like, maybe a more of a confused look instead of a surprised look, you know. And it was just different and sort of exciting to sort of. To hold hands in public and to to, to show affection to another guy in public—that was the first time ever. And you know, I was about twenty-seven at the time.
0: And did it feel very liberating
1: then? It did. I, I suppose it felt like it was just really exciting, you know. And like, but then you had that like, that security blanket that nobody was going to see me. He knew me in mm. there. You know, I wasn't. I didn't have a bigger public profile as I have now. So the chances of somebody seeing me, he knew me, was going to be very slim. So I knew I was sort of in a safe zone, you know, doing it.
0: So what changed then? What made you think, I need to be properly out?
1: I guess that the relationship I had with this guy, it came to an end because things got more and more complicated. I, I had started getting blackmailed by people who were going Black- to... Blackmailed? Yeah, well, people who were around the circles I was in at the time suspect that they found out that we were more than what we were. I hadn't, like, t- tackled that fear yet, and um, this person threw it back in my face one time where, like, you know, within business there was a conflict of interest, and this person says, well, tell me this, does your dad know you're gay yet, Chris? And it was just thrown back in my face as in, you do this to me, you know, I'm going to use you as being gay. And it caused a lot of stress in the relationship and the relationship definitely came to an end because mm. we weren't open, we weren't honest and it, it ended up you know, ruining the relationship and we ended up splitting up over the head of it. So I think it was a few months later I sat down and was like, right, what am I going to do or what direction do you want to go in next? And I just knew that I wanted to fully explore going into relationships with guys and fully explore being gay. Mm. So I just said, right, this is the first time in my life it's actually now holding me back. So I need to face fears and what what I sort of thought was like I had, I had a bigger public profile then and I thought you know as long as my family and close friends are okay with it that's all that matters you know the, mm.
0: So they were the first people you wanted to tell
1: yeah. yeah and if they could accept it and they that they could come to terms with it then the, everybody else doesn't matter you know and if you sat and you worried and you thought about the opinions of everybody you'd never ever achieve anything in life and that you know You'd
0: never even, need the front door would you? You really wouldn't You really
1: wouldn't you know and Every step that I've made in business, every step that I've made with sport, every step that I've made that has been a success, if, if I if I ever worried about the thoughts of everybody around me, it would never, ever mm-hmm. have happened, you know. And I looked at the people who were most close to me, and I was like, right, I'm going to tell them.
0: And how did that go? Fre-
1: Friends-wise, I did, I did lose a few friends. Um, Serious? Yeah, like, I, I guess that a lot of things that were just, you know, normal banter, crack, closeness of a friendship once you were labelled as gay a lot of gay friends didn't like that anymore so I did lose a few friends out of it I gained a lot of brilliant friends in return family wise family had to adjust it was, it was a big surprise you know it was I was 28 years old. They had known me my whole life, been in relationships with girls. It was a shock and it was a surprise. And How
0: did you do it? Did you sit them both down at the same time? Um,
1: I told my mum first. I told my mum and I was basically, you know, I said, look, we were on holiday at the time and I was like, look, you know that the relationship I was with before, you know, I said, you know, me and such and such, there was more to it than just friendship. And I think they had their suspicions, you know. Mum was like, right, you know. and um, She was like, look... We'll get through it, you know. We'll we'll work at it, out and we'll get through it. And it, you know, it 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 came as a shock to my family, but and you you can't expect, you know, parents and and friends and family to just throw their arms open and hug and say that this is amazing, this is brilliant, because it's a it's an adjustment for them. They need to be able to have time to get their heads around it. Casey,
0: you just want to hear that you, nothing's going to change and they still love you, I guess, don't you?
1: I don't know what I expected by, by mm. telling people who's close to me, but definitely um, I was very lucky in that, you know, that what I got back was positive, you know, but I, I don't know what I expected, but...
0: So how, what happened when you told your dad then? Did, was that a separate conversation? Yeah,
1: yeah, it was, um, that, that was the one that I sort of was struggling with the most, you know, was, was telling my dad that it was the most sort of scariest bit and... Um, I, I told I told my mom, and my mom was sort of getting very stressed that she knew, and dad didn't. And then she actually told dad for me. Um, he, he took about three or four days, I guess, to get his head around it. Things were adjusting, and things were changing. You say know, I, so I own my own business, um, and. The minute I told a few people, sort of everybody started to hear, sort of straight away, like even in close circles, you know, it started spreading. spread and just typical of where I'm from, you know, it was...
0: Good news travels fast.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And like, things were getting very, very stressful in and around the business because everybody was, supposed suppose, come to terms with it and stuff. And like, I did think, fuck, oh, I thought it was going to be a lot different than this here. Like, you know, mm. it wasn't what I expected it to be. Um, me and Dad hadn't talked in about three or four days. At this day, it was a really rough day. I had had somebody who was a friend. It was something like jokey or something banter, and it was so like what I would call rugby banter from years ago when mm. I played rugby, where it was a bit of a wrestle or something like that. There, and the guy jumped back and was like, "Look, don't be at that." And it was the first time ever. This is a good friend. Like it was the first time ever. And I was like, "What are you on about?" And he's like, "Don't be at." That. And it was just so obvious that now I was gay that. This person didn't want to be that close to me anymore. Um, and How that did that feel? Of, it 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 did. It it felt like, a bit of reality maybe. You know, a bit of it hurt. It hurt like, but it probably hurt with reality behind it. You know, like this is your wake up call now, Chris. Like you know, like remember where you're from type of thing. You know, and I had a very very close friend who you know. Every time you see them, you see them with a hug and stuff like that there, you know. and There was a lot of bromance type of thing, like, you know. Mm. Definitely there's nothing more than the friendship, like, you know, a very close friend. And, like, since I've come out, that person's never been like that since. It's very sad,
0: isn't
1: it? It is, like, but I think it's more to do with it's not me, you know. It's not me as a person, like, you know, it's...
0: They're struggling to show affection to another man. Now they know he's gay.
1: And somebody else see that. You know, mm. that's, that's that's I think, the problem, you know. If, if there's other eyes looking, if there's other people around and they're seen to be close to me, does then that mean that rumours are going to start with them, type of thing? Mm. You know? So
0: it's still not great to be gay in Northern Ireland then, maybe? <laughs>
1: it's, it's far, far from it, Like you know. Yeah. But That day, yeah. the, I was getting things tight. I think that was a, about come up the week after I told the first person. And my, my dad, he um, was still, like I said, living with my parents at the time. And um, my dad came into my room that night, he just came up and he kissed me and he says he'll always love me, give me a kiss in the head and he says I'll always love you no matter what and walked out. And um Wow! We didn't, that was all the, the conversation that sort of went out.
0: That's probably all you want to hear, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that, that's all I needed to hear at the time and mm. then I just thought fuck you to anybody else, you know, <laughs> as long as I have my dad and as long as I have my mum, you know, my sisters, um, my close friends, like and nobody else matters like you know but you know I can't tell you how lucky I am to you know have a family there and not everybody is you know sort of that lucky you know not mm. not everybody gets that acceptance but you know it was a huge thing for my dad to accept and it, it, he needed to take his time to get his head around it Um and you can't expect any less than that you know you need to give people time you need to give people space and the main thing about it is as well is like Helping people to understand it, because as soon as you tell somebody, they're going to have a million questions, you know, trying to understand and get their head around it. Especially when you're from Northern Ireland, you know, there's, these lifestyles aren't seen publicly in Northern Ireland. And what was
0: the weirdest question you had then?
1: I don't know exactly what the weirdest one was, but I was just trying to, I guess there was questions like, well, have you always been this way? Mm-hmm. You know, did you go out with girls... Um, you know, my dad, I think my dad asked me at the time, Did you just go for girls for us? You know, yeah. were you in a relationship with girls just to keep us happy? Or, and there's a load of confusing things that are going through their head. You know, how long has this been for? Like, how long have you been struggling? You know, is this why you had all the mental health problems? Is this why you've been unhappy at times? You know, is this why relationships does not worked? You know, mm. you know, why didn't you tell us sooner? You know, there's just so many questions that they need to have answered so that they can get their heads around it, you know.
0: Mm. No, well, you mentioned your mental health problems there. So you know you have really struggled in the past, which mm-hmm. is uh, why you went on to to make a film about mental health. Yeah. Tell us what what sort of problems you experienced.
1: When I was sort of mid twenties is when I had a real low with depression, and I I, I took a suicide attempt when I was about twenty three, um, and that was that was definitely my lowest lowest point. After that, I sort of seeked out and got a lot of help. And sort of really took over control of my own mental health to try and make myself better. Um, Where do
0: you think the the problems came from then? Why why do you think that you were feeling so depressed?
1: Um, for me, I just had so my so much, and I always had from when I was a teenager. You know, when I was a teenager. I was bullied badly in school. Um, it was never dealt with. It was never processed. And mm. as I got older, there was a lot of things that weren't processed. But I I've always had so much self hate for myself. Like just. Terrible self-hate, you know, looking in the mirror and, and, and hating the way you looked and the, the shame and, you know, I, I started self-harming when I was about 24, 25 and around Gosh. Um, the inside of my legs and just, just where my boxers were basically, you know. Was, I never wanted anybody to see it, I never wanted to put any worry on my family or anything like that there, mm. so it was always sort of self-harming around them areas and, and around the chest and stuff like that and it was just a mad sort of hatred for the way I looked and I never, ever would have sort of took my shirt off or or been seen in, in, in public sort of topless or anything like that there. And if it was playing rugby and stuff like that, or you were in changing rooms, it was trying to do it somewhere hidden at the rules. So I had this mass amount of sort of self-hate from body image and how I looked. Do you think um, any
0: of the self-hate as well was partly because you were in the closet and that was being, that was very difficult for you mentally as well?
1: Yeah, it puts on a massive strain, but I, I think that um got bullied so much for being overweight, and then I had this attraction to the same sex, mm. and who the, the, the type of guys I'm attracted to isn't the way I look, and I think that's what, you know, um, evolves a, a lot of body image problems when LGBT is that we do, are attract we're attracted to the same sex, but a lot of us are attracted to people who look different than what we are. what we are. Mm. And I always seen the guys I was attracted to, that that is the the good looking physique, that is the, the attractive way to look, and the way I look isn't, the way I look isn't attractive at all. Um, so you beat yourself up over it? Yeah, massively, and I didn't think I was attracted to girls, I didn't think I was attracted to guys, I didn't think girls like this, like, so, so fucking insecure when um, relationships, well any relationship I was in, I've always been massively insecure, because uh, you never ever felt that you were good enough. and. I think it was a mixture of the both, but I definitely think that um, that had a lot to do with why I was so body conscious growing up and I couldn't accept, you know, how I looked as being attractive because what I found attractive isn't the way I looked and I couldn't get my hair in that. I couldn't understand why people fancy me whenever I couldn't fancy me.
0: Then part of your recovery was actually working on your body, wasn't it? And becoming a bodybuilder and and a strongman. So that was really important to you, wasn't it?
1: Strongman, like, strongman definitely disguised a lot of it for me because mm. now I had this sport that allowed me to be big so I had a bit of a like when it came to sort of looks and body image I had this bit of a label that I could put over myself as being a man. so mm. this is why I'm big this is why I'm sized. this is why I carry a bit of body fat because I'm a man. Mm-hmm. but I honestly hold my hands up and say the, it's been the last two years where I have been 100% comfortable in my body and proud of You know, if you look at my Instagram there, you'll be like, what's Jake's this boy talking? (laughs) Because Yes, Chris (laughs) told me yesterday
0: he's got quite a lot of followers because he does top plus shots on his Instagram. So that shows that you've got a lot better appreciation of your own body, that you can put it on Instagram.
1: It was literally, um, I thought when I was coming, it was never going to stay low key, it was gonna it was gonna be a big thing. So Well yeah,
0: because you're quite big in the in the bodybuilding yeah, world.
1: Yeah, well We had to own it type of thing. You know, there's mm. no point in trying to tame the dragon, you know, you may as well just mm. run with it, like, you know, and you know, and then when we'll I started going into the apps and stuff like that and, you know, you started to get a lot of comments for the first time in your life. Because and this is, <laughs> this is actually um a, a mate of mine, you know, I was I was trying to explain this to him and I was actually Getting to try out grinder to sees like hmm. the difference between the gay word and the straight word. Yeah. One of the the best things that we have is that very few girls will give guys compliments. You know, on how, on how they look. You know, if you're uh-huh. if you're on Tinder as a guy, they're going to get very few girls who're going to message you. Go, oh my god, you're stunning. You look well, and I mm. love your body. And it doesn't come across like hardly any. But all of a sudden, like when I, when I came out and um, I put myself across there, even even though it was just the way it was, like before, start like having the confidence to do any topless picks, All these messages started flooding in with people saying, you know, like. How they found me attractive and all at the start, it was like how it's hard to like accept that and understand that. That's you when
0: you're beating yourself up for so yeah, long about your parents.
1: It was just like head down. Even though, like even though, when people come up to me when I'm out, unless I'm really drunk, they they they're mm. on my body, I'm a wee bit, like "Ah, oh, cheers mate, thanks." You know, I don't know how mm. to tag it. You but, do get
0: a lot of comments. I must just say, I was out in a gay bar with Chris last night, <laughs> and he got a lot of attention. It's because you do stand out from the crowd, don't you? Because you are a you are a big built guy.
1: Yeah, no, you, you, you massively stand out. Like, but as mm. I say, I, I think it was I was just hearing all that for the first time. That that's what gave me the confidence, you know, mm. to start loving myself again because I was able to see it in a different light. You know, I, I can see that. My type of body isn't what I'm attracted to, but there's, there's thousands of people out there who are, and there's Pl- thousands who aren't.
0: Loads of people attracted yeah. to you, by the sounds of it. That's <laughs> wonderful. But, but what was it like then for you, coming out in what is a very macho world, traditionally, I assume, you know, bodybuilding yeah. and strongman competitions? You know What was it like coming out to your peers?
1: That, that was always in the back of your mind. And when I, when I first started strongman, um, I started training in, in um, a circle that wasn't... It wasn't a circle of great people and there was loads of homophobic um, stuff being said right. um, at the training yards and stuff like this here and it put mad pressure on me to actually leave that side of straw man for a while. Yes. Um, that was a small, small part of straw man um, with, with a small group of, of uh, bad people basically. Um, and I went on then to compete in um, Giants Live, well, tr- try to get the Giants Live shows by competing through sort of the official Strongman set And that is a a totally different ballgame altogether. Them guys, you know, there's, there's, a, there's another Strongman um, who's openly gay called uh, Rob Kearney from America. Hmm. And Giants Live told his story on the Strongman TV show and showed how much that they accept it. And in general, wow. the way in okay. the sport of strongman, everybody is so so supportive and so so okay with it. And there's only a very small small amount of people who who would have caused any problems. But definitely, since I've came out, um, I've got very little negativity. And now that I'm out and now I'm nothing to hide, I've gone back to the other organisation and basically said I'm here to win the fucking shows now Yes, you know, you, yes. And I you're that, here
0: to become <laughs> Ireland's strongest man aren't you that's exactly. what you're training for at the minute right
1: well, that's, that's why and as I said at the end of Bear Strong you know I came back to compete in Ireland's strongest man and Ultimate Strongman UK strongest man because I'm back to face them people and I want to mm. win Ireland's strongest man as a gay man um, to do it for myself but I, I think that Northern Ireland LGBT community I think they need that Oh, yeah.
0: I just would love to interview again and introduce you as Chris Bear McNaughton, Ireland's strongest man, yeah. and he's out and proud. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Yeah, that, I'm, I can see this. I can see <laughs> this in the future. Now, just before we end, I know you mentioned Bear Strong there, which is kind of like your brand, isn't it? But more importantly, you made a film, mm-hmm. and you made a film about mental health. So I think we should end really by just you telling people a little bit about it and, and where they can see it, because I think it will help. A lot of people, actually.
1: Yeah, well, that, that's exactly why we brought it up because there was there was a big, big story to tell, and um, we went down through the mental health side of things. We went down through um, Inspired Gym and why I built that, because Inspired Gym was built to benefit the mental health within the community. Oh, yes, I forgot um, you run your own gym as well. Yeah, <laughs> add that in. <laughs> and um, then there's obviously my, my, um, my coming out story, and, you know, I've been very, very lucky that my, my close friends and... My close family, um, my my dad and my wee sister told their stories. It was very, very hard for them, you know. Mm. It was the first time that they had to sit and go through, you know, sort of them dark times again and talk about them. But they they seen as well, you know, when I asked them to do it. I know I was asking them to do a hard thing and they understood that this could help people and that's why they decided to do it, you know. And I'm just glad that they came on board. And then Dave Warner is a good friend of mine who, who... Works for Official Stroma. He's one of the top referees with mm. Giants Live. He he got filmed to it as well and he sort of was talking about um, you know, my coming out and what it was like for him as a close friend, you know, and a strong man competitor yeah. such a high so, high role model. So
0: It's it's a really in depth documentary, isn't it, about your coming out story mm. and about your journey through mental health actually. Yeah. And and how Improving your physical health has helped your mental health. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a great thing for people that, you know, are interested in being happy and LGBT to watch, actually. So yeah. how, how could people get hold of it and watch it then? If Chris? you go on
1: the Amazon, um, you can download it off yeah. Amazon, sit and watch it on your, your Fire Stick or your Just Amazon account, wherever you, whatever you have What should know? people
0: search for? What's it called again?
1: Uh, Bear Strong. Just
0: Bear Strong.
1: Bear Strong. There you go.
0: Chris McNaughton, you are one of the strongest men I've ever met. Thank you. And I mean that mentally and physically. Thank you very much. And thanks so much for taking time out to tell your your coming out story. Thank you. And I can't wait to meet you when you are Ireland's Strongest Man. (laughs) A huge thank you to Chris McNaughton for really bearing his soul and talking about some very, very difficult subjects. And, of course, we wish him all the best in trying to become Ireland's Strongest Man. Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. We'd also love to hear from you on Twitter. You can find us there at Come Out Stories. Emma Goldswell. And Coming Out Stories is a What Goes On media production. Next time around, you'll hear from Eric. He's the author of Making Gay History. He realised he was gay while reading a story in Reader's Digest at the dentist in 1974. I just remember feeling, uh, growing up, that I lived behind a thick glass wall, that I, that I,
1: that I didn't understand what other boys were experiencing. When the, kids, the boys in camp wanted to go on raids of girls' bunks, I thought, why would you get, get up in the middle of the night to do that?